Thank you, everybody. Come on, everybody. Let's give God some praise in the house. Come on, let's continue to praise him. Come on. God, we thank you. We give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Go ahead and have a seat, everybody. It's so good to be here. Thank you, Jared, for inviting me to your great church. What a great church. We had an incredible time uh, here today with, uh, with all of the men of Higher Vision Church. I love the name, by the way, Higher Vision and talk about worship. The worship was incredible. And I, I love worship. I used to be a worship leader. I don't know if you know that. But I was a worship leader back in the day. But uh, to hear that worship and so amazing, the songwriting coming out of this house and uh, what's happening in this church, I want you to know that you have some of the world changers right here in Valencia, California, some world changing pastors in, in Jesus' name. Can we thank your pastors, everybody? Pastor Jared, Pastor DeVette, I am so grateful for knowing them. Uh, and, and I just got to say, uh, it's like brought me back down memory lane uh, a long, long time ago. Came here to Valencia, of course, from Magic Mountain. Uh, my senior year of high school was a long time ago. And a lot has happened since then, let me tell you. I didn't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior before that. But I'm so glad that I do now. Um, and I'm so glad for God's grace. Before I get started, I want to share something. Can I show you a picture of my family? Do you have my family photo by any chance? This is my family up on the side. This is my wife, Lisa, right here. My beautiful wife, Lisa. My Chinese-Asian persuasion right there. Um, I found her. She's amazing. We've been married for 24 years, everybody. 24 years. Thank you, Jesus. And it has been the best 24 years of Lisa's life. I'm just saying. The best 20 my life. And then up above, up above is my mom and my dad. I got it just so I can give you a context of who I am. My mom and my dad. That's my dad right there in the middle, the older guy with the lay. We call him the big kahuna. His name is Johnny Kai. That's my dad. And uh, he's Hawaiian, Chinese, Norwegian, Scottish, Cherokee, Indian, all that kind of stuff, all put together. And then my mom right there is half Filipino, half Italian. How weird is that? Right? Filipino, that's an interesting combination. And so I thank God for my mom and dad and my, my siblings, my brothers, my sisters. Those, that's my immediate family on the bottom, my daughter Rebecca on the right, then Karis, my wife Lisa, my oldest, my oldest daughter Courtney, her husband Jason, and our two grandchildren. That's right, I'm a grandfather. I started when I was 12 years old, everybody. No, I did not. I did not. Anyway, um, before I, get, I begin, well, also, I would love, uh, you know, I really believe in reading. Leaders are readers, and readers are leaders. If you ain't leading, you ain't reading. Uh, so you want to read, and I'm always reading. And I wrote a book called Plateaus, and I think it's a, the number one best-selling book in inspired church history, everybody. This is saying something. That's saying something. And then the number two book in Inspired Church history is my wife's book called Perfectly You. Her journey as a young immigrant little girl coming to Hawaii, trying to fit in in America, and then meeting this single dad of a two-year-old daughter who was 25, 23 years old when we met, didn't know Jesus until I was 21, and how we got married and how that all worked out. Uh, it's awesome right there. Are you ready for the word? All right, I'm ready to bring it. I'm ready. I believe God's got a message for you. I really believe somehow, way, the Lord is going to speak to you today. Come on, let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the online audience, the online church that is here, and everybody that is in the house of the Lord here today. Lord, I pray that you help me to preach. Lord, I pray that you help us to lean in and to listen. Lord, I pray they hear your voice beyond my voice. And when I, no matter how quickly I speak or how loud I get or how soft I get, Lord, may the Holy Spirit speak loud and clear to each one's heart including my own. Lord, I love you. I bless you. Help me to say what I never meant to say. Lord, if there's a dog leg, I'll take it, Lord. Whatever you offer us, Lord, here today, I want it. We want you more than anything else. We love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Come on, let's praise him one more time. He's, it never gets old praising God. I want you to open your Bibles to Mark, the gospel of Mark this evening. And as you're opening your Bibles there, I want you to go to the ninth chapter, Mark chapter 2. 
Uh, Mark chapter 9, I want you to go to verse 2. Mark chapter 9, verse 2. And thank God for my iPad because I forgot my Bible somewhere. I forgot my Bible somewhere. It's either in my hotel room or in your car or somewhere, but I'm thankful for the iPad. Um, I want to read the, read the text to you and I want to come back to this. Mark chapter 9, verse 2 to three, 13. It says, and after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his clothes became radiant intensely white as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah, Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. They no longer saw anyone but Jesus only. Tonight's message is called, Here is not there. Here is not there. Would you say it with me please? Here is not there. One more time. Here is not there. I love this passage. You know, every now and then God gives me personally because if it's going to be for me, it's going to be for my church. You know what I'm talking about? If I'm going to eat it, I'm going to feed it to my church. Can I get an amen? And so I was studying the scripture and I was going through this. And we had just gone through a season of just great exponential growth. For us, we grew incrementally small at the very beginning. When we started in 2016, Lisa and I started with 40 people. 40 faithful people. We took over a church that had five pastors in 13 years. When my senior pastor said, Mike, I want you to go over there. I want you to take over this church, my pastor, Ralph Moore, from the Hope Chapel movement of churches back in the day, I want you to take over this church. I said, what's wrong with the church? It's had five pastors in 13 years, Pastor Ralph. I thought you loved me. I thought I was one of your sons. You're sending me over there to be pastor number six, and they're going to welcome pastor number seven in about two years, because that seemed to be the track record of everybody that was going over there. Well, of course, we took over the church. It had 40 people. We were able to bring 40 people with us, and God did something. It was them. It was us, and we became one, and we began to grow incrementally, incrementally, slowly but surely, very, very healthy. Of course, as me, as a former youth pastor, I began to grow with that. I, was, uh, I, loved, um, I loved being a youth pastor because being a youth pastor, you could tell kids anything you wanted to do and none of them would leave. You know what I'm talking about? But today, if you offend an adult, oh, well, you know, you're going to have to do some, um, some cleaning up on that. But back then, I absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved it. When I left, I, I thought I was on the top of the mountain for me. I loved youth ministry. I loved high school kids. I loved working with them. I loved seeing them go off into the mission field. I loved seeing them go to schools like Azusa Pacific. We would be a pipeline to that school. Or we'd send them to Biola. Or we'd send them to Life Bible College back in the day. And I loved it. And so when all of a sudden God calls me out of the blue to leave a very successful youth ministry and go on and take over a church that was struggling, that was actually dying, and go see if these somehow, some way that these people would accept you, hear the message that you had for them and turn the thing around, I didn't know what to do other than go and seek the Lord. I had two weeks to make a decision. I did not want to go. I was one of those guys that said, I'm going to be a youth pastor forever. Uh, forever I want to be a youth pastor. Young people get me alive. They keep, they keep me stoked. I love that. I want to work with them forever. And that's what I wanted to do. But God had other plans. I was on the top of the mountain in my opinion. In my opinion, I was like, I could see the horizon forever. But then all of a sudden, God calls me at the top of my mountain and says, I want you to go to the land that I will show you. I never realized it would be a plane that I didn't think was 
was very fertile. I didn't think there was a lot of fruit in that plane, but God was about to do something in a new thing. I believe in 2018 for a lot of people in this church and even in my church, not only is God doing a new thing, because we understand that God always wants to do a new thing, but perhaps this is a prophetic word for you today. Maybe you are on the top of your mountain, at the top of your game, at the top of your income earning potential, or whatever it is that's going on in your life. But you know, if you're open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do with your life and you say, Lord, here am I, send me, I'll go wherever you want me to go, say whatever you want me to say, do whatever you want me to do, be whatever you want me to be, God can take you from glory to glory and from peak to peak in Jesus' name. That's what I believe. When I love, and the reason why this passage began to grab me was because we had grown as a church and I felt that we kind of got stuck. I think I thought our church had taken it for granted after a while. I thought people began to say, well, look, we were 40 people and now we got several thousand. And I remember saying to my church, I remember saying, guys, there's more. There's more. And I didn't really say it, but I kind of said it this way. This ain't it. This is not it. There is so much more. And maybe God wants to say to you here tonight that there's so much more than what you already have. I know you're doing great. You must be doing a, things might be going really good. Well, maybe you might be struggling. No matter what it is, this is not it. There is so much more in Jesus' name. I love the name Higher Vision. The higher you go, the greater your vision. You know what I'm talking about? God wants you to see things not as they are but as they could be. And so when I was, I was thinking about this passage for some time, and it started to grab my heart, I, I got this. Peter was at the top of the mountain. Like, this is the three and a half period, the three years into the three and a half years of Jesus' ministry. In six months, he's going to the cross. And now Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to a high mountain. Doesn't matter what the mountain is, but I happen to believe that it's Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is, is about 13 kilometers north of what we know as Caesarea Philippi, where the north. This is where Jesus said to Peter, who do men say that I am? And Peter has an, an amazing moment, right? And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, good for you, Peter. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven revealed it to you. And Peter must have been feeling so good about himself, right? We all know Peter. One day we're all going to have to, well, me and Jared, we're going to have to apologize to Peter because we've used Peter as an example Peter, perfect, open mouth, insert foot syndrome. That Peter, right? I got a, a lot of Peter in me. But I remember now all of a sudden he says, it's good to be here. But Jesus turns around because he said, you will not die. That, that will not happen to you. You're not going to the cross. And he turns to Peter and two minutes later says, get thee behind me, Satan. How would you like to be saying, good for you, Peter, all of a sudden be called Satan in, in two minutes? Well, that's exactly what happened to Peter. The scripture says, six days later. Six days after this, six days after what Jesus had to say to him about what he said about him, six days after Jesus called him uh, Satan, basically, get thee behind me. Six days after that, they go up to the hill, up to the high mountain. Now, I don't know about you, I'd be excited if I was in the inner core of Jesus' inner core. You know what I'm talking about? The green room of all green rooms. Now you're going up to the high mountain. You're getting up there. It's 9,000 feet elevation. That's how high they went. Now, I don't know if you've ever been that high. We've got a mountain in Hawaii called Mauna Kea. It's 13,000, almost 14,000 feet above sea level. I've been to this place in Peru, 9,000 feet above sea level. Went to the mountain there. Altitude sickness sets in. You get tired. You want to take a nap. You get, your stomach's not working out so well. You actually hallucinate while you're sleeping. You got to eat all this dark chocolate and chew these cocoa leaves. You know what I'm talking about? And you get to that place. And now all of a sudden, Peter, James, and John goes with Jesus up to the high mountain. I don't know about you. But I'd be stoked to be one of those inner three guys that went up there. 
Now, they fall asleep, and we know the disciples often fell asleep, but I don't blame them on this one because of altitude sickness. They get up to 9,000 feet, they fall asleep, and all of a sudden when they wake up, they see the Shekinah, the cloud, the glory of God. This represents God's presence right there. He is there, and to the left of Jesus and to the right of Jesus are two incredible men of the Old Testament. You've got Moses on one hand, and you've got Elijah on the other. You've got the great deliverer on one side, right? The, let my people go. Uh-oh, Pharaoh, let my people go. you got that guy. And on the opposite side, you've got the guy that got taken up a wind, whirlwind of fire who never even died. This is the same guy that, that defeated the 400 prophets of Baal and tore down the Ashtoreth poles. This is the man. And you wake up, and you're for good studying Jewish young man. You wake up, and you see this. You think you died and gone to heaven. Because now what you see is the rock stars of the Old Testament. Moses on one side, Elijah on the other. It doesn't get any better than this for those guys at that moment. This was what they thought their mission was. This, they thought they were going to do a takeover. They thought something amazing was about to happen. And they were about to be a part of it. All six of us, not just you three, but us three as well. And Peter says what any guy, any guy would say. This is awesome. This is amazing. Let's bottle this. Let's get selfies on the summit, man. Let's come on. Everybody squeeze in. Moses, Elijah, come on. Right now. Jesus, can you move your head a little bit? And let's get in there right there, right? You can totally imagine the selfie on the summit moment all of a sudden because this is the pinnacle. It doesn't get any better than this. And then what he says, he says, let's build three tents. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now think about this for a moment. The reason why he said let's build three tents is because in the valley down in Jerusalem, they were celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles, the Festival of Booths, the Festival of the Tents, the Ingathering Festival. This is where the Jewish people would remember what they did back in the Old Testament times when God brought them out into the good and spacious land, and they had their first harvest, and they would open up these booths, they'd set up these tents, and they would harvest outside because harvesting was hard work, and they'd sit outside, they'd watch this, and he said, I want you to remember this, I want you to have this festival, one of three major festivals, the Festival of Tents, Booths, or Shelters, whatever you're going to call them during that day. So he says, let's stay, let's stay right here. Let's camp out right here. And when I say here is not there, sometimes we just want to camp out where we are. And when we camp for too long, we get stuck. And we get stuck on a plateau. Now, what keeps us on the plateau? You know, sometimes we got to move on, you know, right? Sometimes we got to get off where we are. Have you ever been stuck in life? Have you ever, like, hit a ceiling that you don't know what it is? Have you ever hit the lid all of a sudden? Have you ever wondered, how come, is there more to this? Is this as good as it gets? Yes, it does. It gets better than this. It gets better than this because what the Lord wants you to do is, number one, you cannot preserve the old victories. You cannot preserve all of the old victories. When you get stuck on a plateau, we memorialize past victories. I said, oh, when I was in high school, when I was your age, you know, that kind of thing. Or, you know, remember, remember that commercial? Hi, I'm Rob Lowe, and I'm stuck in high school, Rob Lowe. Or I, I peaked in high school, Rob Lowe. Remember that commercial? Yeah. All right, moving right along then, so if you don't remember it. So think about that for a moment. Or maybe, maybe past, past failures will keep you there. Today, Pastor Jared was telling me about how many guys, they just want to get let go of the past. I totally agree. The shame, the guilt of things that have happened in the past keep holding us back from being all that God wants us to be, from 
scaling the mountain that God has for us, it's the past victory oftentimes, but not just the past victory. Sometimes it can be the, the past defeat. I want you to know that the best years of your life are ahead of you. I want you to know that this ain't it. There's so much more in Jesus' name. Even though this is good and even though what's going on in your life is good right now, God has so much more for you. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can comprehend the things that God has for those who love him. God has so much more. Come on, somebody say amen. He's got so much more. Number one, we memorialize past victories. Number two, we rationalize good intentions. We rationalize good intentions. Peter had great intentions. Who could blame him, right? He sees these old, old guys, these rock stars of the Old Testament. But Jesus had a plan. And his plan was to get off the mountain. His plan was not to camp on the mountain, to live on the mountain. You know what I'm talking about? To REI on the mountain. His plan was not to um, Ed Bean on the mountain. His plan was to get off the mountain. His plan was to go down and meet with humanity where people needed him. Where there was a young demon-possessed boy whose father was at wit's end. Whose li the little boy would throw himself into the fire and he would get burned and the demons would scream. And all, he, all his other nine disciples could do would watch this. and They didn't know what to do. And Jesus would come down the mountain and say, man, this kind of stuff only comes out by prayer and fasting. And he cast the, de the demon out. There's real needs in the valleys, everybody. There's real needs in the valleys. Jesus knew his purpose because it wasn't up on the mountaintop. It was actually in the valley. The third thing that keeps us stuck on a plateau is we justify the old mindsets, the old philosophies. Well, if it's good for my dad, then it's good enough for me. This is the way my parents did it. This is the way I'm going to do it. Or whatever it is, maybe it was good. But behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Maybe God's doing something different in you. Maybe it's going to go differently with you. Whatever it is, God wants to get you off the mountain. And there are so many great lessons that we learn in our seasons of being on the plateau. Sometimes we think the plateaus are wrong. I'm stuck in a plateau. I think they're the best reasons in the seasons for God to teach us something. I think this is when, this is when God gets your attention. God gets your attention in, in, in plateau seasons of your life. God gets your attention in seasons where you don't seem to be able to move forward, move ahead. Maybe there's something that God wants to address. Maybe there's something that God wants to take you through. Maybe there's this capacity that God is trying to expand in your life. And instead of fighting it, said, Lord, I'm your servant. Show me what you want me to do. I only want to do what you want to do. The reasons why we plateau, let me give you three real quick. Number one, it's capacity issues. Capacity. Maybe you just can't handle more at the moment. You would love to have more, but you just can't handle more. I remember I wanted a church. I wanted to, Lord, please bring more people. God, please bring more people to our church. We had, and when we first started a church, we were in a hot elementary school. The reason why I say hot is because Hawaii can get hot. Especially if there's no air conditioning. And we had no air conditioning and we met in a school cafeteria. So in the school cafeteria, I was there for seven years in the school cafeteria. We had four services there. We were fanning ourselves. It was extremely hot at the Waikele area. The, or it was just a fancy name for an area called Waipahu. And it was super hot over there. And I remember being there and I remember saying, Lord, can you please give us another building? I think we weren't ready for the new building. Sometimes God doesn't think that you're ready. Sometimes God wants to bring it right when you think he needs it. He wants you to have it rather than that. The second thing is our own humanity. It's your own humanity. Maybe God's trying to deal with something. Maybe God says, you know, when we address this, then we'll get there. But right now we can't get there until you address what's going on here. And, some, and that's what you want. Because you don't want to go further than you need to. You don't want to go beyond where you, are, where you need to be until you address the things that you can address today. Because those things will end up rearing its ugly head. Those are the things that attack you uh, in public 
because you didn't deal with it in private. Maybe it's our humanity. Number one, capacity. Number two, it's humanity. Here's number three. Number three, maybe it's just simply the father. The father just wants to hold you back a little bit. Maybe the father just wants you to be with him for a little bit rather than moving on and keep on moving, moving, moving. Here, you know, one of the greatest quotes, I love basketball. I'm a basketball junkie. I still play at the age of 50. I play every single week. I, play, I used to play above the rim. Now I play right below the rim. You know what I'm talking about? And I love basketball. I love it. And my favorite basketball player of all time is still Michael Jordan. Thank you. Thank you. Any Michael Jordan fans in the house? All right, all right. So I remember that there was a quote, and somebody asked Michael Jordan when he was still playing, says, Michael, is there anybody that has ever held you to less than 20 points per game in your college career? He thought for a moment, and he shot back up, and this is what he said, only one person could ever do that. Only one person, but he wasn't very tall. So who was it? They were wondering, who's the guy that could hold Michael Jordan under 20 points per game? He said, it was my coach, Dean Smith. He's the only one that could hold me at less than 20 points per game. He didn't want me to score more than 20 because he wanted me to play the fundamental contained game. And I thank God for it. You know, sometimes maybe, you should, maybe we need to thank God that we are still where we are today. Maybe the lesson that God wants you to see is I'll take you there. But in the meantime, I'm just holding you back because I love you. The reasons, capacity, humanity, the Father. How do you grow? So then how do you grow from peak to peak? I love it because all of a sudden, look, this is, this is number one. Number one, you got to identify what plateau are you on. Like, I'm stuck, right? I'm stuck. you got to admit, number one, I think we're stuck. You could be stuck in your marriage. I think we've hit a plateau. And then instead of looking at each other think, well, I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't know what's wrong with me. Maybe we're incompatible. No. No, 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 no. That's from the devil. You're compatible no matter what in Jesus' name. You just got to fight through it. You just got to make time for one another. You got to date one another. You know what I'm talking about? If you can't go out at night because the kids are little, then come on, do a date night in the bedroom. That's what Lisa and I did. That's what we did. We didn't go out with the kids back in the day when there was blockbuster video. Me and Lisa would rent a blockbuster video, order a Domino's pizza, and we would have it in the room, and we would not let the kids have it. They'd be banging on the door. I want pizza. Go to bed. <laughs> Years have gone by, so we don't, do, we don't do blockbuster anymore. We go out. We go out a lot. But you know what? We go out a lot for church anyway. So we stay home. We still get the pizza, the gluten-free Domino's pizza now. Gluten-free. And then the other one is we watch Netflix, and we, watch, we, we eat Domino's pizza. And then, uh, yeah, anyway, moving right along. <laughs> Can I tell you a story? My daughter's 21 years old. She's the one that's a mama's girl and a daddy's girl. She's really close. She's a home girl. You know what I'm talking about? She wants to stay home. 21 years old, college athlete, graduates this May, played volleyball in college. And she was getting jealous because mom and dad were ordering pizza every once in a while. We'd have our date night. She already knows that mom and dad's going to go in the bedroom and it's 9 o'clock at night. Everybody's got to go to bed and they're going to have their pizza. So one night... I called the delivery guy because I was too lazy to go get it, right? So I called the delivery guy, and all of a sudden, I'm like, shh, my dogs bark. I got really good dogs, so they bark when the car comes by. The car comes by. I go outside to the Domino's guy. I go, shh, keep it, keep it quiet. Keep it quiet. Give him the money. All right, good job, man. Grab the pizza, turn around. And my daughter's at the door. Goes, my daughter's at the door. Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> oh, no, you didn't. I was like, I was like, I was like so funny. I sauntered up to my bedroom to the second floor, and your, your daughter caught us. Anyway, we ate the pizza. The next day it was so funny. Uh, she came home from practice from college, and then I took the I took the pizza box and I duct taped it to the front door. And it, when you open it up, I wrote in an El Marco pen, "Oh yes, we did." <laughs> Come on, you got to get creative in Jesus' name, Amen. 
What's your plateau? Name your plateau, number one. What is it? What do you need to release? What do you need to restore? What do you need to release? And what do you need to restore? You know, I got a great image. I hope they have the picture of the space shuttle. Think about this for a moment. The U.S. space shuttle has to expend millions of pounds of fuel just to get off the launching pad in order to even reach anything resembling an orbit. And when it gets into one sphere, into the next sphere, and then into the next sphere, eventually it has to let go of the two rocket boosters. The rocket boosters were what got it up in the air in the first point. But the rocket boosters, when the fuel has been expended or expent, if it is no longer jettisoned apart from the space shuttle, what once got it to where it needed to be will actually take it down into the Atlantic Ocean. So it has to be jettisoned. It must be let go. What is going on? that possibly in your life that got you here that won't, you, won't take you to the next level. Maybe there's some things, some issues and things that got, you got to let go. Maybe it was your tenacious, your tenacious fighting spirit that got you to where you are today. And maybe God's saying that's not going to work for this new generation. You know what I'm talking about? I, I think that's a picture of what's going on with me. I used to be this guy like, come on, we got to do it. Let's go. Let's just charge. My friends would all joke about on how tough I can be as a boss and stuff like that. I'm not that bad. I'm not, like, you know, I'm not that bad at all. I don't know where they got this. I'm going to Mike Kai somebody. I don't know what that, where that, that came from. <laughs> they would say that kind of stuff, like Jared and his friends. But now I realize that what got me here is not going to take me there. I'm working with a new generation. I'm not working with Gen Xers. I'm working with millennials, different, different type of students, different type of staff. What got you here is not going to take you there. You know, I, I came up, I grew up fighting a lot. I know you can't tell. I know I'm a lover, not a fighter. You know what I mean? I'm a really good guy. I'm a really good guy, but I fought a lot. And maybe when I know, just to, to fight, you can't be a fighter in your 50s. You know what I'm talking about? You can't, you can't be defensive in your 50s. you got to be more diplomatic. What got you here? But that won't take you there. What is it? What is it that God wants you to release? And then what is it that God wants you to restore? What does he want you to restore? What are the old boundary markers, the ancient boundary markers they talk about? Don't move those ancient boundary markers. What do you need to put back as a boundary marker in your life? That the, that the Lord put there and what do you need to restore back into your life so that God can speak to you like he never spoke to you before to get you off the plateau. Because, you know, if we go up to that plateau, if we go up that peak and we get to the very top and when we are stuck there, eventually we slide down into the valley. I mean, valleys are not necessarily all bad. We got good stuff in the valley, right? We got green, lush meadows in the valley. We got snow-cup-capped mountains that, that run its water through the valleys. We got even Ricola in the valley, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? You get St. Bernard dogs in the valley. The valleys are good sometimes. I know we're afraid of this valley, though. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't want that valley. And sometimes we can get in, not from a plateau, and get stuck on a high mountain where we can't get off. Actually, sometimes we slide into valleys, and God says, when you get into that valley, it's not a good valley. That's not the valley that I, went, I meant for you. you got to get out of that valley. What is it that you need to restore? Number one, what do you need to release? What do you need to restore? What's the name of that plateau? Quickly, I'm almost done. Here's number two. got to monitor your heart rate. Monitor your heart rate. Imagine how excited Peter, James, and John were up there on that tall mountain, in that mountain. And I wonder if at some point some pride filled them. You know, Jesus later on, they began arguing. The disciples began arguing about who would be the greatest. You know what happened? It happened after that mountain experience. Wow. After that mountain experience, that's when they argued about who would be the greatest. 
Peter must have been the spokesperson for everybody thinking, you know, he had to watch his heart. Is there anything that you need to watch out for? The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, above all else, guard your heart for everything flows from it. Actually, it determines the course of your life. So if your heart is not doing well, if your heart is bitter, or if your heart is, you've shied away, you've crushed it up, you've closed it up, you've become an armadillo, so to speak. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody gets around you, you, you ball up. Nobody can get to you. You got to watch your heart. Because God wants your heart soft. He wants it able to be even supple enough that you could still, you could still get hurt again. You could still get hurt again. I'm not talking about putting yourself <coughs> in a scenario or a situation that will bring harm to your life. Or to take you back and give you flashbacks. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about have you been betrayed before and can you still open up your heart to the point where God can still work in you. You know what I'm talking about? Watch your heart. Guard your heart. I've had to do that. Jared's have to do it. Anytime you go up a mountain, you got to watch your heart rate. you got to make sure your heart rate's okay because the, blood, the air is thin up there and it does things to your blood. It does, does things to your heart. But oftentimes coming down the mountain, you got to be careful as well. If you don't come down slowly and you just jump off that mountain, your heart rate's going to be messed up. So you got to be careful. In Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? amen? Psalm 24 verse 3 to 5 says, Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart may ascend to the hill of the Lord. Watch this. Who can ascend to the hill of the Lord? Look, who can get up that, his holy mountain? Who can go up to his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. That's how you get there. So in order for you to move from peak to peak, I think a lot of it has to do with relationships. How you doing on your relationships? How you doing with, is there anybody that you owe anything other than love? Is there somebody that needs to get paid back that you said you'd borrow money from that you haven't paid back? Is there, he, the Bible says, owe nothing to anybody but love. Is there anybody that you owe an apology to? You know what I'm talking about? Is there somebody that you owe, that you are indebted to? Is there somebody that you can talk to that maybe you need to make things right? And even if they're wrong, you can still take the high road because the high road is the road less traveled. Oh, Instagram that if you're into, if you're into, if you're into that. <laughs> that was good. The high road is the road less traveled. Most people don't travel on that road when you take the high road. But sometimes the high road can turn into the high and mighty road. Because I'm taking a high and mighty position. And as a result of that, God can't work with us with, when we have that as well. But he wants to if we just allow our hearts to be supple, to be even met, bent, molded, shaped by the master, by the father, because he loves you. Number three, you got to head to the valley. You got to head to the valley because when you're stuck on a plateau, just immediately, in my opinion, go for the valley. I have a good friend. His name is David McCracken. Pastor Jared knows who he is. And he said once on his Twitter, he said, the valley is a transition between the height that was achievable yesterday and the greater height achievable tomorrow. How good is that? How good is that? That's the difference. That's the difference. God can use valleys in your life to get you to the next peak. So head for the valley because in the valley is where there's real need. And in the valley is where you get sustenance. And in the valley is where God replenishes you. That's where you want to go. You want to head for the valley. And number four, my last one point is this, is number four. You got to elevate Jesus. You got to elevate Jesus. You got to lift him up. Because now all of a sudden, I saw this later on. I see, I see, I see Peter. And he says, 
in front of Moses and Elijah, he calls Jesus rabbi. I don't know if that's a big deal to you. But before that, he was addressing him as master. Master, 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 master. And all of a sudden, he sees Moses and Elijah, he calls him rabbi. Dumbs down his status from master down to teacher. I just want to do this right now. Because that was revelation. I'm just messing with you. I love you. I'm just trying to have fun. But I can tell you right now. I can tell you right here. You got to elevate Jesus. He's looking at the Moses of the law and the prophets. Let me go even further. Moses is the fulfillment of the law. Elijah was the greatest of the prophets. And now all of a sudden, and the worship team can come up now. I could really use some keys right now. It would sound so good right now. I'd sound so anointed right now if they were keeping. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just, thank you. Okay, 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 okay. He dumbs him down and he goes, Moses and Elijah. He keeps Jesus at the rabbi status. But what happens is when we're stuck on plateaus for far too long, when we've been there for years, we go either one way. We go super, super conservative, the law. Or we get hyper out there, like, that was something. Pull that brother back, he's out there. And we get so far on the theological pendulum that we either swing one way to justify why we haven't moved on, or we swing to the other way because we're still stuck where we are today. The best thing that we can do is look that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets and lift Jesus up higher. Elevate him to where he deserves to be at the status where Jesus belongs. Number one in your life. He's more than a rabbi. He's more than a teacher. He came more to do than just redeem you from humanity. He came to change your identity. He came to remind you of who you are and what he can accomplish in your life. He came to remind us that there's work in the valley. What valley is that? I don't know what valley. A lot of valleys in California. And maybe there's work in that valley. Or maybe there's stuff that God wants you to do right here in the places of your heart that God wants you to address. He says, I want you to move. That you don't, this is not no typical bell curve that I'm doing with you. This is not no typical sigmoid curve, is what they call it. And then you hopefully you can get momentum to go up again. People rarely get that second momentum. How can you make that change right here? right here in the plateau stage, right here. And that God can take you from this glory to that glory and from that glory to the next glory in Jesus' name. Amen? Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me?